Welcome to the Adapting Places podcast, part two of episode two. This was my discussion with Martin Boyson from For the Love of Place, where we focused on uh, the differences between place promotion, place marketing and place branding. What happened since uh, the publication of the first part of the episode, uh, Martin and I actually realized that we probably didn't cover explicitly enough the differences between uh, these concepts so we got together and recorded some additional more explicit discussion about the differences not necessarily relying on um, listeners having read the academic paper that Martin published around the topic uh, we'll still link to that paper um, and I hope you enjoy the discussion as much as we did uh, and if there's any questions do get in touch on adaptinc.co.uk. about the, the conceptual differences between uh, place promotion, place marketing, and place branding. Um, so you've got a key figure in your uh, article that we've been discussing at length, but just wanted to more specifically drill down into some definitions and differences. Um, so let's start with uh, place promotion. So in your article, you have this kind of clear definition of place promotion rather than mixing it with marketing and branding. So it mm. kind of focuses on a supply-driven uh, sender to receive and the receiver approach. Uh, and then the task of that is to communicate offerings, coordinated promotion uh, to target audiences. And the results that would in place promotion is intentional. Uh, so people pay attention to a place. And then what I'm kind of interested in as well, more specifically in that, obviously you can talk about it more broadly, but is the is that primary domain? So you, you think that that's the cognitive domain, so the knowledge of people improving that. So that, that's kind of the, the way that I would want to focus the discussion initially. So the, mm-hmm. the difference in the, in the domains, so the one for place promotion being the cognitive one and then place marketing being about behavior, place brand being about attitudes, because that's kind of the, let's start with the person at the other side of, of the activity, because that's my comfort mm-hmm. zone. And obviously, mm-hmm. if you collaborate a bit more around what should we mean when we talk about place promotion. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I think um, you can approach this from the academic angle and from the practical angle, but not at the same time. Um, and they should meet somewhere. Um, what we did here was to select, well, um, if you look at what place promotion is actually about, um, the assumption is that you have something in your city or in your region or in your country or whatever, and that there are people out there somewhere that are interested in that, right? So there's, there's a proposition. And place promotion tries basically to, to bridge that gap, tries to get attention, 
um, which might result in knowledge by the people of what your place has to offer. Um, and the main task of that, obviously, when you're talking about a place and not about a company or something like that, is that you need to have coordination. You need to have coordination uh, of all these different uh, providers of, of, of products and services and whatnot uh, in your place. Um, so that um, because the propositions is not a, a single product or a single service, but it's actually a combination, uh, uh, sort of like a... Um, a mosaic of all different aspects of what that place have to uh, have to offer. Uh, for example, cultural traits and stuff like that. Um, so that is that is basically trying to narrow down place promotion to what promotion would also mean in a traditional marketing mix. Um, and the reason that we started this um, this exercise is that we see that these three terms, promotion, marketing, and branding, are being used as synonymous. Um, by practitioners, but, but certainly also by academics. Um, and that, that basically means that you always have a discussion about what, what people are actually doing and what they're thinking when they're using these different words. And that is what we tried. Now, in practice, it's very important to, to differentiate between these, these, these three concepts. And I think we can, we can delve a little bit deeper into that when we have sort of like defined the, the other two. Okay. okay, and then at this stage, I, I have this hunch that historic, the, the reason why place promotion, you know, if I, if, I, if I work in place promotion and you all of a sudden say to me that you're going to demote it to just being a tool as part of the marketing mix and then a broader place branding approach, and I might not be that happy about it given that the practice of doing these things think mainly came from these place promotional agencies that you know would have kind of done the the selling and the advertising the tourism uh, of that uh, do you think there's anything there there is something in there for sure but but i think it's it's not completely correct that it mainly came from tourism um there was uh, i would say there were two main strands uh, that really boosted this uh, one of them was definitely tourism um after the second world war and in the 60s and so on and so forth you've got destination uh, marketing as it was called right where places were sort of like packaged as destinations and then communicated as destinations as propositions and, and not the broader aspect of actually what makes a place but just more or less like visiting disneyland or something like that um, of course i'm exaggerating um, and there was a pushback from that but but at the same time um, uh, also, as a, uh, as a, almost at the same time, I would say, uh, you got much more offers on uh, business promotion, um, foreign direct investment, uh, boosterism. Um, think about all the uh, post-industrial cities that needed new investments. So this is where you get the waterfront developments, and this is where you get the flagship developments and all these things, trying to sort of like portray, promote the economic uh, dynamics of a certain uh, city, region, or, uh, or country, and I think these two things—the um, economic promotion, if you may, uh, and the tourism promotion—that they deliver, uh, developed um, uh, also in, in in scientific literature, basically in different journals and in different uh, uh, in different thoughts, and that very few uh, brought them together and said that you know you should not have a different kind of idea of your city when you're trying to sell it as a place to invest as when you're trying to sell it as a place to live or work or, or visit uh, because the place in essence is, is the same thing 
Um, and I think this this is what brought place marketing, uh, ironically, uh, into the scene, um, because the first uh, well influential um, um, contributions on this uh, called themselves uh, place marketing, and the first influential books on this um, was about place marketing. Um, where the authors not necessarily made a distinction between place marketing and place promotion. Um, some of them did, like Kotler and such, um, but 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 also sort of like put a new name on it to to take it to the next level. Um, and this this is also something that you see in our definitions, um, or well, definitions. They're not really definitions, but they're, they're approaching definitions where we say like, well, place marketing. Uh, is more than place promotion because in place marketing you're not only trying to influence the demand, right? You're also trying to influence the supply. Right? Um, it's it's not enough. I mean, place promotion sort of like supposes that you have no influence whatsoever on what goes on in your city, but that you are made responsible, the practitioner side, that you are made responsible for generating attention for that. Right. So in the classical tourism sector, somebody builds a hotel, but there's a tourism promotion agency and they are somehow made responsible for, um, you know, creating noise and filling the hotel beds, um, whereas they have no influence on whether or not they are being built new hotel beds. This is a classic thing which we see, which we see today. And so uh, not having these definitions clear also means that it can lead to and it often leads to the wrong uh, distribution of responsibilities and mandates and, and so on in practice, uh, which is why I want to stress that it is much, much more than an academic or a, or a semantic discussion in this sense. Right? Um, so, so take it to place marketing. I mean, if you're, if you're truly doing place marketing, um, which is about managing supply and demand, it's like we talked about last time, it's not necessarily about growth, it's about balance. Um, and um, you, you see, if you are supposed to be managing supply and demand um, and you're supposed to deliver product market combinations that meet the needs of different target segments, uh, whereas the largest one will be the people already living in your place and the companies already operating in your place, um, you, cannot, you cannot pertain or, or, or sort of like pretend to do that if you're only um, in a position to do something about the demand side. Right. So I'm not saying that place marketeers should decide whether or not hotels are being built. Um, I'm just saying that if you're doing place marketing as such, then it should be a very, uh, at least a, a consideration uh, whether or not the city actually needs more hotels. Right. Uh, and, and there should be some kind of advisory on that. Um, I mean, nowadays, successful companies uh, are very rarely in a situation where the marketing department has no influence on the product development. Right. So, so why is that the case in most of our places? Um, now, um, if I may then move on to, to the definition that we give on place marketing, we say mm -hmm. that whereas in place promotion, we say that your results should be uh, uh, sort of like, it should be attention, right? And, and there's an assumption that if you have more attention, that that will also lead to more choice. But what you do with promotion is you generate attention, right? Um, whether that results in conversion or not is, is basically a different matter because that's not the sole responsibility of the promotion. That is also to do with the price and all these other different things. Um, in place marketing, we, we do say that the result is actually the choice. So the spatial choice, 
Um, and that makes place marketing, as we talked about at length last time, uh, transactional. Um, and it also makes it cognitive in the sense that it's actually behavior. To, to take a choice or to not take a choice is behavioral, right? Um, and I like this notion of not choosing, right? Because one of the largest impacts of place marketing, if you manage the supply and demand well, uh, might be that people stick around, right? Uh, so it, that's not necessarily growth, right? Um, and in, in places that decline, it might even be that you strategically choose to, to keep the things, you manage supply and demand, you see both of them dwindling uh, uh, in, in, in demographic declining areas, for example. Uh, you might actually use place marketing as a tool to figuring out what the new balance should be. So it's not just in a growth scenario or in a stable scenario, but also in a declining scenario, which is something nobody really likes to talk about. Um, but for tourism, uh, especially before the uh, the corona situation uh, when we talked a lot about over tourism figuring out what the new balance should be what the carrying capacity of the system should be uh, is also a place marketing strategic choice uh, so managing supply and demand to create that new balance right? even if it means decline in certain areas um, so that that that's i think why place marketing should be the whole marketing mix to take it back to to traditional marketing uh, uh, textbooks uh, and, and not being seen as synonymous with just the place promotion. Uh, and in that sense, you can also see why I always like to make the link towards urban and regional governance. Um, because if you pertain to be doing place marketing, you need to have influence on a lot of the things that goes on in the city. Right? Um, and, and not just be the, the sales department or something like that. Okay, that's interesting that you mentioned the, the traditional marketing mix. Um, so I was just wondering, is which part of, of other branches of marketing do you see is most closely synonymous with place marketing? So there's some some academics discuss, you know, place products, which is a bit odd to say, but then actually what they mean is the, the stuff that's in there. Uh, there's mm. service marketing or relationship marketing. Um, do you see any of those being more or less relevant in describing more closely to what place marketing kind of is like? Uh, on, on the metaphorical level, certainly. Um, and um, But uh, first of all, I would say I, I think this is a, a new strand or relatively new strand on its own right. Um, because I think places are intrinsically more complicated and multifaceted um, than any of the other situations that, that you mentioned. Um, right. Uh, sometimes you can even say, well, uh, forget about the marketing thing. It's relational therapy, what we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there's, there's a lot of, of, of developed uh, thoughts and concepts that we can learn from, from, from the existing strands of marketing uh, uh, literature and theory. Um, and, but their uh, application uh, should be uh, transposition and not translation or um, we, we should we should be very aware that we are then applying them to something that is not in fact a service or a product right when when I say products and services I mean those as as metaphors uh, mm -hmm. for what a place uh, basically has to offer um, with that said um, you know uh, a city trip to Barcelona for example um, mm -hmm. in in many cases resembles product marketing in the sense uh, consumer products, right? Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes even fast moving consumer goods. 
um, because you buy that weekend, you go there, you consume that weekend, uh, mm-hmm. and then you go back. Um, and, and if Barcelona wants to, you know, uh, have a longer term relation with you, they require you to come back. So that's like in a very, very metaphorical space. It's like if you go to the supermarket and you buy a certain product, you consume that product and you have to go back and, and buy it again. Right. And then you can discuss whether Barcelona is, you know, the, the product or the supermarket or whatever. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's metaphorical and it's something that helps us speak about these rather abstract and vague things. But we have to be very, very aware that it doesn't lead us astray instead of actually bringing us conceptual clarity. Um, another example um, is that when you talk about living somewhere, um, service marketing and relation marketing uh, is, is better used metaphors um, or not even metaphors, but, but, but systems of thought. Um, and why is that? Because I hope you do not wake up every day well, maybe in this time period, but that you don't wake up every morning and think, well, would I like to stay living in, you know, whatever place you're living in uh, today, right? So uh, that is much more something that um, that you can compare to, for example, your mobile phone uh, provider, right? Not the phone itself, but your provider. Like everybody is annoyed with them all the time, but once every year or two years you decide because, uh, because there's a new moment of choice popping up whether you want to stay uh, with the same provider or when, whether you want to shift but it's not something that you do daily and when you're not in the position of taking that choice you just keep on consuming said service right whether it annoys you or satisfies you or not right so so we can definitely learn a lot from these different much more developed strands of of marketing uh, in place marketing but again we have to make sure that we always realize that when we use those words and when we use those knowledges uh, from uh, from from other uh, more developed strands um that we're dealing with a completely different animal okay okay yeah that that, that absolutely makes sense yeah so use analogies to help us but don't confuse it that that's that, that, that yeah. Yeah, and it, it, the same thing. The same thing goes for for branding, of course. I mean, you can you can learn a lot from corporate branding, um, in in terms of place branding, um, but it's dangerous to to take it too far because a lot of the models and a lot of the thoughts that drove the development of corporate branding uh, concepts, um, sort of like su- supposes that there's somebody there. Uh, that can make the ultimate decision and that there's somebody there that owns it, right? Uh, think about all the literature about place brand equity, for example, uh, mm-hmm. trying to monetize the value of, of, of a place. And it's all very, very interesting, um, but mm-hmm. it's very easily led astray by the concepts from which it borrows, um, which, which is not a problem. Uh, that, that's true for all um, new uh, uh, schools of thought, so to speak. Um, but it's something that one should be very, very aware of, especially because most people are educated in either marketing or branding or geography or whatever, um, economics, uh, urban planning, and so on and so forth. And then they go in to do stuff that has something to do with place promotion, place marketing, and place branding. And where they come from will um, will will make them believe that those terms mean certain things, and that will direct their actions. Um, right, so... One of the most curious things that I've found is that you can use this this model in the paper. There's a model uh, figure two, if anybody looks it up, uh, which basically shows these relationships between place marketing, place branding, place promotion, and place development. Right? 
Um, and you can actually go in and you can analyze. Uh, we do this every time we have a client, right? So you can go in, you can analyze, you can say like, okay, so we have the organization for, uh, um, uh, for The Hague, right? It's called The Hague and Partners, um, for example. And you can go in and you can say like, well, okay, so why does this ex organization exist? Right? What's the reason they, they, they are there? Um, what are they actually supposed to be doing? What are they doing in real life and what are their success criteria that is imposed upon them? And oftentimes, not necessarily with the Hagen partners, but, but oftentimes I find that um, the, the reason, the raison d'etre for, for organizations like that is, is often formulated in the, uh, in the domain of place branding, right? Uh, to improve the image or something like that, right? Um, the things that they're supposed to be doing is often formulated in the in the atmosphere of place marketing right so to 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 influence demand influence uh, supply uh, product market combinations uh, unique selling points la 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 the whole language is place marketing um and and often the uh, uh, the outcomes are also formulated in terms of place marketing in terms of choices for example in the number of hotel beds or new investments in the business park or whatever and so on um, whereas if you look at what stakeholders actually expect those organizations to be doing, both political and private stakeholders, most of the times they will ask them to be doing, to be do, uh, sorry, to do place promotion. So if you, if you sum that up very briefly, you oftentimes get the pattern that an organization has a reason to exist in place branding. It is doing most of the things it's doing in place promotion, and it is evaluated whether or not it's successful in place marketing. Um, and I don't have to, um, to to delve much deeper into that to 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 sort of like at least uh, plant the thought in your mind that this might be one of the chief reasons why so many of those organizations um, um, are, are experiencing difficult times once in a while. Hmm? Um, yeah. Because these these the mandate, the tasks uh, and the concepts and the expectations are simply not aligned. Um, yeah. Okay. So then, because it's a really interesting one as we, as we move from place marketing to talk about place branding and the organizational structures of handling that are in their nature most of the time like networked and very, have very little uh, power structures within them, which often within corporate branding, you know, if you have that power structure, it actually helps, right? If, if you're going to be targeted on improving attention and then managing the choice of people, eventually, you know that you're responsible for this, you can have it. But within the domain of networked organizations having to deal with that, um, uh, I'm interested to hear a bit more from you um, around any potential structures that might help, more helpful or less helpful. So I'm, I'm thinking, instead of thinking like dichotomies of, you know, this should be public sector, this should be private sector, if it's, mm. Uh, which which things might sit better to be handled by public sector? Which ones might be better dealt with um, in even third sector or combo hybrid organizations that are actually emerging that are very different from what we're used to? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, most of the advisory work that I do nowadays uh, centers around place brand management, so that's the organizational part of it. Right. So we develop strategies and, and the organizations to implement the, and carry out those strategies. Um, and what you see is that the notion of place brand management is actually better than the notion of place branding. 
because place branding is is it's supposed uh, a lot of times people think that it's something that you can do um place branding is something that happens whether you try to do it or not uh, and by talking about place brand management um you uh, sort of like highlight that the task that you're doing here is trying to manage orchestrate influence a process that's already going on right so that is a semantic distinction which we feel resonates a lot with practitioners um, because it, it also makes it clearer what their success criteria uh, should be right because if i make you a place brand manager i will make you responsible for your efforts in trying to influence and manage this very very difficult and complex product uh, process but i'm not necessarily making you responsible for whether or not the reputation develops in the right direction because i know that there are many 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 other factors that influence the reputation uh, of your country region or city right uh, so you move it from an output to a throughput and you move it from being responsible for image and reputation as as endings as outcomes to the efforts trying to get all these different stakeholders to try and act more on brand and then you believe that if you get more and more people and more and more stakeholders to act on brand that it will have internal effects in terms of, of pride and consistency and all these different things and external uh, um, uh, uh, outcomes in terms of a more positive reputation over a long period of time if you can be consistent about it um, so that, that that doesn't simply answer your question, um, but it is. I think it's an important vantage point. Um, there is no answer to your question in the sense um, that every single uh, country, region, or city that I've worked with, even within the same country or neighboring cities, even um, there is no blueprint that works everywhere. Um, there are some general learnings that you can put up. I already shared the most important one. Um, but depending on, um, uh, on on the country and the culture you're in, I would I would argue and I would always try to um, make sure that the responsibility for this place brand management part is a public driven uh, function. Not necessarily because they are the best to do it. Um, but because I think that the, the the reputation of a place is one of the commons, it's it's a common good, and the ones that are elected or appointed or whatever to maintain the commons and to work for the common goods should also be the ones that take this to heart. Um, it's also because place branding is less transactional than place marketing. So when you move from place branding more towards the place marketing, and now we uh, create a situation where the place brand managers are making sure that whatever the place marketing is doing is on brand but does mm -hmm. not bother themselves with actually uh, trying to manage the supply and demand from the transactional perspective they manage it from an on-brand perspective right on brand off brand um, then you can have a much more mixed uh, version where when it's about place marketing it's more about uh, the choices that you want to influence and it's much more um uh, easy i'm not saying it's easy but it's much more easy than it is with place branding uh, to show uh, for example private stakeholders what's in it for them um, and in that situation it's also more um, useful to have the ones that are going to profit from certain spatial choices to have them also take responsibility take risk and and, and pay 
for the uh, the efforts that are put in in trying to uh, to develop this uh, certain markets right so so i would say that the private involvement uh, in terms of a percentage if you may a little bit artificially i would say that you can almost draw a line through my 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 my, my schematic there with place promotion having the most private funding and influence place marketing being somewhere in the middle and place branding having a rather low uh, 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 funding and, and, and influence from uh, from the business community compared to the other ones um, however that would be uh, it would be wrong to take this as a blueprint and apply it in every single place and in every single culture it's more meant to to show that, you know, for example, businesses are more likely to pay for stuff which they have a direct idea about what they're getting back from, um, and um, you can you can uh, you you can have a lot of influence from a place brand managing perspective by keeping the responsibilities for place marketing somewhere else, and then trying to just make sure that whatever they do, it's on brand. Right? And you're not the brand police because you don't own the brand of the place either, right? You're just you're just there to nurture and orchestrate it. Yeah. Okay. And is uh, even within corporate branding, this you know branding police approach can exist. Is there a way that you can think about what what are ways and artifacts to to capture what's on brand and what's off brand and how to have these discussions and how that plays into setting up organizations mm. avoid the policing that's an interesting mm. well we we have a whole masterclass only on that topic with a lot of examples from different cities that are doing it um, again um, it's it's mostly it's about making sure that you have a clear idea that can easily be communicated uh, to the different stakeholders about what it means to be off-brand. Um, this is something that that um, that cities and regions don't like that much. Um, but if you if you um, you shouldn't take off-brand on-brand as a binary. It's not like if it's not on-brand, then it's off-brand, right? It's not like that. It's more like a, an a, a scale. Uh, something can be very, very off-brand if it goes against every single thing that that is deemed, you know, the values of the place. Um, some, something can also be neutral in the sense that it could be anywhere, um, and uh, uh, and in that sense, you might conclude: well, if it's neutral, it doesn't do your brand any good. It doesn't do your brand any bad. But then you also have to look at: does it communicate really a lot? Does it have a lot of strength? Uh, because then it might sort of like create so much neutral noise that nobody will hear about the things that are actually on brand for the place. Right? So we work with a, what we call a place brand matrix, which has two uh, dimensions. One of them is from off brand to on brand, and the other one is from very low impact to a rather high impact on the general image of the place. Whereas we know uh, that having a very high impact on the reputation or uh, on the image and the reputation of the place is actually rather limited mm -hmm. okay. uh, right because because even to 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 have a very large impact on the image uh, of the place um, you would be needing to do a lot of things for a very very long time uh, before you reach uh, an uh, an impact now 
Um, to be able to work with that, you need to have core values. It's not enough to define your brand in terms of a theme, for example, we're the city of sports or we're the city of this or the city of that. Um, that's not enough because that automatically means that everything that does not relate to sport, for example, um, that you have difficulties figuring out how can something that's not about sports then still be on brand. And then you get all these platitudinal efforts of trying to get sports into everything. Uh, also to places where it does not belong. Right? So that shows you that you need to be able to define the why of the place and the core values of the place. And you need to have instruments in trying to, to help people asset the extent to which something is on brand or off brand. Uh, and what we've seen a lot in practice is that when you start developing those tools, which needs to be very simple, and you start to get people in a room where they start considering the extent to which something is uh, on brand or off brand that just from considering that a lot of positive ideas uh, are, are, are basically instantly brought to the table of how one how uh, how an activity or, or whatever how that actually could be on brand um, mm -hmm. and and this is this is the, the the conscious orchestration that I'm always talking about that you need to create moments in decision making to create moments in consideration and also in evaluation later on where you uh, where you basically talk about the impact that set activity is going to have on the image uh, and later on reputation of the place and this is not campaigns only or or stuff like that it's also you know new buildings in places that's going to to change the experience of your place it can be whether you decide to um to to have proper housing for the students or for the homeless or whatever all these decisions communicate about what the meaning and essence and values of a place are and if there is nobody at the table that take that angle on the decision making um, then you're losing out on a lot of opportunities and you might actually be hurting a lot of other efforts somewhere else right so i'm not saying that the brand manager should decide all of these things i wouldn't want to live in a place where the brand manager decides all the policies <laughs> i'm just saying that they should be put in a position where they can advise on such decisions Okay. And I think, and I think nowadays, um, in an increasing number of cities and regions, this is actually uh, the case. Uh, that's what I see from my own advisory work. But of course, that's not really a good uh, <laughs> a good sample. Um, I still see that um, if I limit myself to Europe, that there are really a lot of cities in Europe that have defined their core values. Um, that have sort of like created a nice booklet about what their brand is and they also act upon it, which is very good, uh, but they basically lack the structural tools to take it from uh, from the level of, of intuition uh, uh, to take it to a more uh, strategic level. Um, so that is, that is the next uh, level that we can go to. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Big thanks goes out to the Place Brand Observer for organizing this conversation. For anyone looking ahead to the next episode, uh, we would be talking to Malcolm Allen from Bloom Consulting. Um, and our focus will be on the climate emergency and why this is not making its way into place brand strategies.